on your phone. Um, either will do fine. And there's also an outline in the bulletin. There's a flyer in there too. I will talk about that flyer uh, soon enough. All right. Well, friends, I reckon it would be fair to say that most of us have, um, would, have, would have grown up being told, uh, oh, come on, you can work for me. Ah, oh, dear. Sorry, guys, just a moment. Just take it out and put it back in here, don't I? Gives you more chance to look up Acts chapter 3. Shouldn't be too hard though. Oh dear. Oh dear. Sorry. Oh, there we go. Woohoo! We're going places. All right, good. Um, yeah, I, I reckon most of us would have grown up being told something like this, do you think? Uh, uh, study hard, you'll get the marks. So, my lovely daughter's doing the HSC at the moment. Um, although she's just, she's been accepted into, uh, actually, she's been accepted into the con. So, I'm really excited for her big news in the family. Um, but the problem with these early acceptance things is that, well, you tend to switch off, you know, I'm in. So motivation's gone a bit, but I'm trying to encourage her to study hard, you'll get the marks, right? But we've grown up with that type of thinking before. Uh, work hard, you'll get the promotion. Practice well, you win games. Do the right things and you'll get the results. Perform well and you'll get the applause. I, I, I guess we could call it a sort of a performance culture. Maybe, maybe there's a better way to think about it. But do this, whatever this is, and things will go well for you. Right? Not uncommon. Now, a great danger is when this thinking finds its way into the Christian church. So, do this and you'll earn God's favour. Do this and you'll be blessed. That message is anti-Jesus. That message is anti the gospel, it's, it's not biblical Christianity. Because the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ says something very different. Jesus says, rather than do, Jesus says, it is done. Now, as we turn to Acts chapter 3 today, as Peter once again speaks to a crowd of onlookers, as he, as he shares the gospel of it is done, like the crowd, we are, well, we are invited to respond. So I want to ask you, as we start today, how will you respond to the it is done gospel? Why don't we pray as we start? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Uh, God, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. And we thank you for the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to have a Q&A at the end of today as well. So if you want to jot something down, you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to um, uh, ask a question, make a comment at the end, that'd be great. Well, I think, just picking up a bit from last week. So last week we looked at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, description of the early church. Picking up from there, I think it must have been tempting for those, some of those people in that church, in, the, in those very early days, to preserve what they had. Don't you? The Acts, to, to linger in the Acts chapter 2 experience. You know, it must have been tempting to, oh, let's just close the doors, or at least put them to. 
you know, make it a bit more exclusive. Let's just keep the way, th- let's keep it the way things are. Gosh, gee, it's so good, isn't it? You know, it's so good. Let's keep it that way. Perhaps we'll, you know, some might have been thought, we'll, we'll, we'll change the name. We'll change the name from the Jerusalem Christian Church to the Jerusalem Christian Club. You know, we might do that. But that's not what they did, is it? Not at all. They didn't do that. They had the Spirit of God in them, the Spirit of God in them that inspired them to look outward rather than inward. To look to, in Jesus' words, to look to his commands, the ends of the earth. They looked out. And so they got on with the job. Now, last week we read that, that uh, we read the apostles performed many signs and wonders. And so in Acts chapter 3, well, we find Luke's, the, the first one that Luke records. Now, it's a great story of this beggar being healed. We can break the passage up into two sections. There's the sign in verses 1 to 10 and there's the sermon in 11 to 26. And so you can see that in your outline. Then we'll make a few sort of points of application. So let's get into this. There's the sign. Verse 1 sets the scene. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now that's the busiest time when a lot of people went to the temple to pray. So think packed arena. Uh, Well, temple area, at least I should say. Verse 2. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. It's not a nice thing to see, is it? I don't think. Like a, a beggar desperately asking for money. I don't know if you've come across that very often. It's not easy to see. It's hard. Should I give something? Should I sort of avoid looking at them? Go across the other side of the road, maybe? What, what do you do? What, what should you do when you come across a beggar like this? How do you respond? Well, what one, one would think here at the temple, like, that this man would be cared for, looked after by God's people, But the problem is, here he was, day after day, same spot, year after year, placed by someone at the beautiful gate. There's a sense of irony there, isn't there, about this man who's crippled from birth at a gate called Beautiful under the rich, extravagant temple gates. And they were beautiful, gold and all the rest of it. Under all those riches, yet here's this man who needs help and wasn't getting it. You see, God's old covenant people were true to form. In their sinfulness and hard-heartedness, they had neglected their obligations. Deuteronomy 15, verse 4, there should be no poor among you. Verse 7, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. It's quite the contrast to last week, isn't it? Remember last week? Uh, I've got it there on the screen. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Well, back to chapter 3, verse 3. When the beggar saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. That's what he did. God, though, had so arranged 
things that Peter and John had no coins to share. Uh, Instead, they had something much, much better, much more powerful. Well, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter, speaking as Christ's representative, verse 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So Peter holds out his hand and helps him up. What did this man know about walking? He'd never done it before. (laughs) But his ankles and feet became strong. The creative God creating muscles and ligaments and tendons that were previously non-existent or had wasted away to almost nothing. In fact, so strong had he become, within moments he was walking and leaping and praising God. Could write a song about that, couldn't you? Uh, <laughs> uh, we're not allowed to sing, sadly. I did notice that as we played the video, there was someone doing some actions. I was too embarrassed to look up, but there was someone doing it and clapping. So thank you for that person. Maybe at home you're more inspired. Uh, you know, this beggar's response, though, is outstanding, isn't it? You've got to try to imagine it. Verse 9 tells us that everyone saw him walking and leaping and praising God. Everyone did. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Incredible. You see, it was clear that just as God had accredited Jesus by signs and wonders, and and that's the point that Peter makes in his Pentecost sermon back in Acts 2, so now the apostles, in this case Peter and John, were being accredited in the same way. So these signs and wonders, and this is the first of quite a few we'll read, These signs and wonders certified or attested to the integrity of the apostles as witnesses for Jesus. They attested to the the apostles' message, the the gospel message that they're just going to hear in a few moments' time when Peter preaches. You see, it's clear that there's no human power at work here in this healing. It is the power of Jesus That's what's going on. Now, we could put it another way. You see, the sign, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, is like the manufacturer's guarantee or warranty confirming the authenticity of the message. And that's in verses 11 to 26. Let's look at that message now. So, I've put on your notes there, just the sermon. There's no doubt Peter is a man of opportunity. I don't know if that's typical Peter. Some commentary I read say, ah, it's typical Peter. I don't know what typical Peter is, to be totally honest, but he's a man of opportunity. He's filled with the spirit empowered boldness and clarity. So verse 11, when the man held on to Peter and John, and by the way, just a little bit of a side point here, um, that word that's used for held on to in verse 11, uh, it's the same word that's used for held captive. So in other words, it's not that Peter and John held the man captive because the man held on to Peter and John. It's the man holding on, holding Peter and John captive. Don't go anywhere. This is unreal. I want to stay with you. It's that sort of idea. Anyway, the man held on to Peter and John. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. So Peter goes, yes, a crowd, fantastic, preaching time. And he does. He stands up. He saw this, verse 12, and he speaks. Now, what a sight this would have been. So this crippled man, uh, 
This is the crippled man that, that the crowd have seen day after day, year after year, sitting on this spot, now healed and walking and leaping. First century medicine could do nothing for him. In fact, 21st century medicine would have done nothing for him. Now he stands next to Peter. How did this happen? How did this happen? That's what everyone's wondering. How did this happen? Well, those who are most humanly responsible for healing, uh, for the healing, well, they tell the crowd it's got nothing to do with them. Peter and John make it really clear. It's got nothing to do with us. In fact, there's a great danger, isn't there, when the focus is on Christ's servants rather than on Christ himself. There's a great danger there, and Peter and John uh, understand that. So verse 12, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? I thought, what, what are you kidding? What are you, you crazy? Well, Peter continues, and this is my summary of his sermon. The God of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, has glorified his servant Jesus. There is the clearest contrast between what you, his people, did to his servant and what God did to him. You handed him over, disowned and killed him. You did this to God's servant, the holy and righteous one, the author of life. But God glorified and raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of his death and resurrection. We saw this with our own eyes. This healing has come from Jesus. It is through faith that comes through, from Jesus that this man is now strong. See, God is sovereign over all of these things. He oversees all these events as he keeps his promises and fulfills his prophetic word. He has glorified Jesus despite your best efforts to destroy him. Repent then so that you can receive forgiveness of your sins and refreshment while you wait for Jesus to return. For Jesus is like the prophet Moses, whom Moses said would come, quoting Deuteronomy 18. Like Moses, Jesus was one of you, and God put his words in Jesus' mouth. Therefore, all disobedience of Jesus' words will be called to account. These days are days of fulfilment of God's promises to Abraham to bless all people, and you have the first opportunity to turn to Christ and lead the way. What a great sermon it would have been. That's probably Luke's summary. He might have, Peter might have said a bit more than that, but that's his summary. Now, I wonder if you caught on to how Peter pre preached. I wonder if you caught on to Peter's sort of structure. I wonder if you did that. Uh, uh, how he explained the gospel. Did you notice that Peter's message was not do this, but instead, it was God has done this. Did you notice that? That's the heart of the gospel message, isn't it? Only when we have heard what God has done can we rightly consider what we should do. Now, perhaps if you allow me, actually, I'm going to do it anyway if you don't allow me. But anyway, give me some sort of uh, rope here, you could say. I want to get a bit technical with you. Okay? I want to talk about grammar. Uh, Greek grammar, but a little bit of English grammar too. It sort of crosses over a little bit. But don't worry, it's not tricky. Okay? This involves two words, and I think I've got them on your outline. I do. There you go. You might want to scribble down a note there. See, at the heart of the gospel message is this. And let me repeat 
what I said a moment ago. Only when we have heard what God has done, now that is studying historical facts, acts of salvation history, uh, that's where the indicative mood is used, speaking using a grammatical term. Um, it's the indicative mood, right? Only then, so only when we've heard what God has done, can we rightly consider what we should do. And at that point, imperative, the imperative mood is used, right? It's often verbs and so on. The gospel is all about the indicative coming before the imperative, not the other way around. The gospel is all about what God has done and then our response. Do with me? Okay. So in Acts 3, indicatives describe, well, God as glorifying and raising Jesus. They're all indicatives. In contrast, the Jews disowning and killing Jesus. That's, that's all indicatives. And actually, you can also find uh, indicatives spread throughout Peter's sermon in Acts 2. So if you've got the Bible there, just flip over Acts 2. It's on the same page for me. Um, it's all indicatives until he comes to verse 38. And in verse 38... You can see what he says. He says, repent and be baptised. That's imperatives. All indicatives and then imperatives. Now, let's go back to chapter 3, right? I want you to spot the first imperative. I'll give you a moment without a clue. And if you think you've got it, shout it out. What's the first imperative? What's the first do this in chapter 3? Maybe you've picked it up. Who wants to shout it out? 19. Well done. You guys win the prize together. Do you know what the prize is? The prize is the glory of winning. It feels so good, doesn't it? Alex, you know about the glory of winning here. So it's a youth ministry joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, verse 19, there it is. Repent. Repent is the first one. See, same order. Two sermons, indicatives first, then imperatives. Friends, Every other religion's message is the other way round. Every other one is the other way round. That is, do this, work hard, perform, they're the imperatives, in order to win or keep God's favour. So they're the indicatives. Well, God will love you. God's favour will rest on you. Um, you'll be blessed if you do this. Judaism, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, JWs, Mormons, they're all the same. They always begin with the imperative, what people must do. Religion like that, you see, is far too optimistic of the human condition, isn't it? In fact, that way of thinking is really an expression of our human rebellion against God. I can do it without you, God. I don't need you. I can reach the standard. I can do it. No, you can't. No, no, no. no. Religion, like, religion like that calls on people to do what they cannot do, and that is earn God's favour. Biblical Christianity alone Christ alone, as we, well, we didn't sing, we heard sung, begins with the proclamation of what God has done, his saving acts in history, Jesus' death on the cross for you and me, his bodily resurrection, his triumphant ascension. And only then does biblical Christianity point out the human, the appropriate human response. What is it? Verse 19, repent. Repent and believe. Friends, Christianity is not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. 
the heart of the gospel message, the biblical message about Jesus, it's about God. It's not about you. It's about what God has done. Starts, ends, the middle bit, (laughs) it's all about God. Now, a great danger is when this thinking of imperative first and then indicative finds its way into the Christian church. It is a great danger. Do this and you'll earn God's favour, they say. Do this and you'll be blessed. Or give this much and God will bless you. God will make you wealthy. God will make you healthy. Have enough faith, they even say, and you'll have your best life. The best life. Friends, it's a lie. It's not the gospel. But how about this? We're a little bit closer to home. Well, I've been a good person, you know. I've been a good person. I've, I've come to church. I've, 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 you know, I've, I've done the right things. Why are you doing this to me, God? Why are you doing this to me? So maybe, you know, you've, you didn't get that promotion at work. Your child gets sick. Uh, you're getting, you're sick. You're unfairly criticised at church, who knows. The result, you get mad at God because you were overlooked, you were troubled, you were ridiculed. See, thinking like that expects God to prosper us because of our good works. Do you see what's going on? I've been a good person, so I must be blessed. I should be blessed. But that's not the biblical gospel. That's not what the Bible says. The true gospel simply says, Jesus is enough. That's what the gospel says. Jesus is enough, full stop. And he's done all that needs to be done. Simply repent and believe. I want to leave you with a trailer, I'll play this in a moment, of... um, of an extraordinary documentary that's on Netflix at the moment. Uh, It's called The... There's a flyer. The American Gospel. Now, don't be put off by American. Um, uh, This is is one of the best things I've ever watched on on TV. It is just incredible. Um, I sat there almost in tears at times, thinking, this is the best presentation of the Gospel I've ever heard on on a screen. Um, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I just gobsmacked. Uh, it's a documentary to give a bit more detail on, on what's a, it's a defence of the true gospel as opposed to uh, the false prosperity gospel. That is the gospel that, that, the false gospel that says do this and you'll be blessed. Do this and you'll be healthy and wealthy. And, um, it's, it's a defence of the true gospel, the true biblical gospel. Uh, on Thursday night um, I'm going to show it here. And um, if you don't have Netflix or you just want to get out and about and see some people, um, come along and watch it. It's, it's long, so we're going to do it in sort of two parts. Uh, there'll be intermission in the middle. So it goes for about two hours and 20 minutes, so you need a bit of a break in the middle. And it's, it's, it is intense, but it's, it's just so excellent. Uh, really, really good. So I want to invite you to come along. I do need you to RSVP, though, to the church office. Just send an email and say you're coming, um, uh, just for COVID reasons, all that sort of stuff. But uh, I invite you to come. It's, it's really, really good. Uh, maybe if you've got Bible study that night, a few people do have Bible study that night, bring your Bible study along. I'll be hassling the leaders to do that um, as well. So it's really good. Uh, it's a great defence of the true gospel. Let me, let me show you this little um, trailer and then we'll talk afterwards.
You know God wants you healthy. I'm talking about your money. I broke the back of poverty with a $1,000 seed. I am blessed. I am prosperous. Your words will become your reality. When you name it and you claim it and it still doesn't happen, what am I doing wrong, God? I felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time because it felt as if at any moment I can go to hell because I'm not doing enough. You know what the Bible tells Christians to do? Examine yourself. Are you coming to God for God? Or are you coming to God so that you can ultimately get what your heart's truly after and that's something else? You can grow up in the church, hear a gospel about freedom, and still work your tail off trying to maintain the image that you're a good person. 99.9% .9 of people are not bad people. They may make poor choices, but deep down, they've got a good heart. And my wife looked back at me and she said, why are you yelling at the television? And I said, because that's not the whole gospel. Following Christ is not about this list of things you need to go do for Him. Following Christ is about this sense of awe over what He's done for you. That when you come in contact with Him, you change. When the heart changes, everything changes. Wow, like Jesus died for my sins. That's so convenient for me. I don't have to go to hell, but I'm going to go do my own thing. <laughs> which is not the gospel at all. What do you think happens when we die? We're gonna be fine. If hell didn't exist, neither would this ministry. Seriously, I would be out surfing. I'd have long hair, just living for myself, but I can't. Like, you, you don't wanna burn, do you? Right. Which, like, if that's the best message you have, that's just a crap message. The answer for being unloving is not to be overtolerant. That's not the right answer. Welcome to real Christianity. The origins of the prosperity gospel are not Christian at all. It is cultic theology that has been wrapped in some Christian lingo. You've been accused of getting the gospel wrong. It's a damnable heresy that hurts people and sends them to hell. People ain't worrying about no blood on no cross. They're worrying about how they're going to make it through the day. Is this gospel, is this good news primarily about you? I am a victor, not a victim. I'm going to live a long, productive, faith-filled life. Or is this a message about God? The cross embodies both the wrath and the love of God. We see that as a contradiction, and yet God doesn't. The cost of accepting the gospel could be your family. The people you love most in the world, you must love Jesus more. But it's worth it. I opened that word, and nothing was ever the same. Go make disciples. That is the call of every believer. I've got to share this news. If I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. Christianity has been built and has carried through the generations on the blood of men, not on the wealth. How can I just continue to live my life as if this isn't true? So I abandoned my version of the American dream and I said, I will do what I can to take the gospel to the nations. It's really good. If you think that that's just all American, um, you got your head in the sand. Uh, American uh, religion and American culture, including American church culture, now notice I didn't say Christian, um, affects Australia uh, incredibly. So I'd, um, I'd encourage you to, uh, to come along if you don't have Netflix. If you have Netflix, watch it. It's really good. Um, don't forget RSV, RSVP. Okay, why don't I pray, and then I'll just see if there's any questions. Uh, you might have a question about that, that's fine, or any comments, and, um, and then we'll continue with our service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, 
today we're reminded especially about what you have done for us and your, your grace and your mercy, that we do not deserve your love, but instead you sent your son Jesus to die for us for the forgiveness of our sin. Lord, may we be never people that get confused and think that we have to earn it. But instead, Lord, trust in your grace and mercy for us. Uh, Lord, we pray that your word will be instilled in our hearts and our minds and help us as we go out this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, anyone got a question or a comment? word of in, encouragement, um, anything that, that, that you'd like to ask or something that struck you, you'd like to say, oh, that, 